It's good to be with you again. And uh, if you don't know me, my name is Jim Trombley, and I serve with Austin on the Deacon and Elder Board. And I, my lovely bride, Kathy, is here today, and her mother, my mother-in-law, is here today mainly because we all wanted to just feel what it's like to be young again. Um, so it's the only chance we get to feel young is when I get invited by Austin to uh, come here. So thank you for having us. And uh, the task at hand is work, and I do have a PowerPoint, which is very graphically uh, interesting like that, power, uh, that, that PowerPoint slide. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but uh, yeah, I, and, and I think, you know, Austin, I think, put it very well, is that, um, that our, what do our lives look like, right? Is it just, you know, we do Christian things on Sunday and maybe at Bible studies throughout the week, and then we have our other life, which is work, and it's something separate, or are we Christians all the time? Do we walk all the time with the Lord? And uh, so I hope to bring that to you today. Um, I want to be very careful with time because I do, there's some questions at the end we're going to look at, and I want us to be able to have time to talk about those things at our tables and maybe discuss corporately, and so we're going to see how that works out. So I'm going to try to stop talking at 10.25, 11.25 actually, and, uh, and we'll see, see where we go. Um, as I'm still yapping up here, please turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. Um, and as we're turning to 1 Thessalonians 4, I'll just mention briefly my career, in case you happen to care. Um, and I started kind of my, my career work in the United States Air Force in 1995 and served for six years and then came out of the Air Force, came back here, needed a job, and Pharmacia was hiring contract workers back in the day, so I w- went and worked for Pharmacia, which you might know today as Pfizer. And so I've been with Pharmacia, Pfizer, a little bit of Zoetis as they divested the animal health business, but pharmaceutical for uh, the last, well, 2001 to today, so it'd be about 22 years. And so be- between that and Air Force, I guess I have about a 28-year career going on, so it's been fun. I've learned a lot about walking with the Lord in career um, and having done it wrongly and the Lord teaching me how to do it rightly. And so I hope today will be a little bit of sharing from that, uh, what it is to work and work unto the Lord. Austin did challenge me to come up with a kind of an anchor verse from which the rest of the teaching will flow. And so I hope this doesn't feel a little bit disjointed, but we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians 4, and then we're going to look at some other scriptures as well. Um, so let's dive right into uh, chapter 4, verse 9, starting at verse 9, and we'll look through verse 12. Um, First, Thess- First Thessalonians 4, 9. Uh, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For indeed, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And so I'm going to unpack this just briefly and then we're going to launch into some other areas of study uh, regarding work. Um, I was already supposed to hit the slide thing. So let's look at this. Uh, So key takeaways from this uh, short passage here. we see that there is the idea of walking properly with outsiders. Those are outside the church or outside uh, or, or the world, I guess we would say, right? Those who are not Christian. So walking properly with outsiders and being dependent on no one. So Christians, 
I mean, what we see here is Christians are not, are, that we are workers. We're not, we're not to pilfer, steal, refuse to work. Um, I don't have a continued dependency on someone else because I refuse to work. Um, and this, you know, we would understand, would uh, dishonor God. We also see that we love the brothers. Well, who are the brothers? Well, when Scripture talks about the brothers, that's Christians, right? The brothers and sisters in Christ, the church. Um, and contrary to what our flesh may want or what we as people want or the, the temptations that we have in our own selves, in the world around us, Christians are not to be jealous or hate in the workplace, um, which is easy to do, right? I mean, think about it, right? Somebody gets promoted ahead of you or somebody gets the job you wanted or things happen that, hap- you know, they happened in some way that you didn't want them to happen. Um, all of these things in careers and life, work life happen. And um, so it's easy to get outside of that love for one another, right? Um, we love the brothers. We also love those who are outside the church. Um, so Christians are marked by our love for one another. This, we see that in John uh, uh, 13. Uh, Christians, Christian workers are ones who forgive. And how, how do we forgive? We forgive as Christ forgave us, Right? And we see that all throughout Scripture. We're supposed to do that as brothers and sisters in Christ, but we also do that with the world. Um, Jesus did that. He's an example of that. The world killed him, and as he was dying on the cross, right, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Um, so this is a, you know, a love for, for people. Um, aspiring to live quietly, we see in this passage. This is extremely contrary to our world today, right? Our world lives loud. We work hard, we play hard. In my Air Force days and in my early career days, I was one of those. I worked hard and I played hard. Um, it was almost my life's goal, right, is to go make money and go blow it on as much fun as possible. Um, but we are called to aspire to live quietly. Um, First Timothy talks about this. It talks about um, uh, leading a peaceful, quiet, and godly life, dignified in every way. Uh, that's in First Timothy 2. Um, he adds that this is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. Um, so this is how we can honor God in our work. Um, you know, one of the things we see today is, is activism is huge, right? We see a lot of activism. That is quite the opposite of quiet living, right? You know, and we could be activists in our own job. I don't know, I mean, Pfizer, there's a whole lot of activism going on, let me tell you. It's easy to join into the activism and... Uh, you know, clamoring and just wanting certain things and, and fighting and whatever. Um, but but how, do we, how should we walk quietly um, and honorably before the Lord in our work? It also says to mind your own affairs. Ooh, this is a tough one, right? Mind your own business. You know, do we, it's easy to get into the gossip and the, you know, the routine of wanting to know everything about everybody and to invade people's lives. We do that amongst ourselves, don't we? Um, how much less should we be doing it amongst those that we're supposed to be proclaiming Christ to or living as a Christ-like example to? Um, we're called to mind our own affairs, mind our own business. You know, we help when people ask for help, but, um, but we, to intrude into the lives of others is not for the Christian worker. And I don't know how, how long your career has been or if you're in school or if, you know, if you're just starting a career. You are, probably already know, right? It's easy to intrude into other people's lives wrongly. And um, so that the scripture calls us to something different. Uh, also, Paul says in this uh, passage here to work with your hands. This is honest work, right? 
Um, it's not a work that is dependent on other people. Like, I just sit back and let other people do the work. That's easy to do too, isn't it? Especially when there's a hard task at hand. Look, oh, they got it. Um, this is, uh, again, giving witness um, to our life in Christ um, by, by working hard, working with our hands, honest work, not dishonoring God by being lazy. Um, Paul gave example of this actually in the next book in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and he told them, he reminded them, I, I actually worked when I was among you, right? I worked with my hands. I bought food. I, didn't, I wasn't a burden to you. Um, and then he, he threw this in there. He said, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat, <laughs> right? So, I mean, the idea is to work um, and work with your hands. And so we see that the Christian is called to walk differently than the world in all areas of life, and uh, work is no different, right? We, we walk differently than the world does. So are we quietly standing out in our workplaces, right? Are we, are we seen as holy, as separate, different in our workplaces? And um, um, are we walking holy as he is holy, as First Peter says? Um, um, so this is where I'm going to kind of, hopefully this isn't too disjointed, but we're going to go from First Thessalonians 4, and we're going to kind of flow into um, some topics. And these are the topics. So we're going to look at where did work begin? Uh, begin. And what is working wrongly look like? That should be easy, right? Because we all can just walk wrong, you know, work wrongly. It's easy to do. Working rightly might be a little bit more difficult. So we'll look at some, some uh, bullet points there. And then we'll look at some Q&A at the end. And um, so this first part here is where work began. And hopefully we know this. Um, and hopefully this is just a review. Uh, but turn with me, if you would, to Galatians chapter 1. Sorry, Genesis, thank you. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, one of those G-starting books. Um, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to find out where work began. And as you know, we're turning to Genesis, Genesis it's probably obvious that work began in the beginning, right? Um, and so we see God working in creation. He's making things. He's making the creation, and he's looking at it, and he's seeing that it's good. And we're going to pick it up in verse 27. And God did a work. Actually, let's, go to, let's, let's look at 26 and 27. But he says here, Then God said, in chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And um, so, so early on, we see that we are made in God's image, and there's, you know, there's a whole study of God's attributes and what it's like to, have, you know, to be made in God's image and the, the attributes of God that, the, that man possesses, right? And we call those communicable attributes, and then there's the incommunicable, uh, incommunicable attributes, and it gets all into this theological study. So you can go do that on your own. But we see that you know, as we understand God and in, in his work and that being passed on to us, being made in his image, we are then called to work. And we'll see that if we look down to the next verse in verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then uh, scoot over to chapter 2 uh, real quick and look at verse 15. 
Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to do what? To kick back and relax, right? No, it says to work it and keep it. And so we see then that God has blessed us. He said to be fruitful and multiply, then subdue the earth, have dominion over it, work it, and keep it. Uh, as I was doing this study, there was a, something came up on the internet, actually. It was an interesting quote um, from a book um, called The Basics of a Biblical Worldview, and I thought it was an interesting quote um, from this section here. It says, the earth didn't come with houses and parks and cities and farms and cows willing to be milked. It, came, it didn't come with fruit trees all in a row or with the periodic table of the elements and a list of what you can make out of those and I'm thankful for those who study the periodic table because that's not me. Um, but the things you can make out of that, the, the elements. And then it goes on to say, humans have to subdue the earth and rule over it, making it suitable for human use. I mean, that's the, the, the work God has given us. Um, so it is important to note, and, and maybe you see this from where this is in Scripture, it's important to note that work is not the result of the fall of man. Um, and I don't know if that's a surprise to you, but it's something I never thought about before. I was actually listening to a John Piper sermon a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, he said that. And then I was looking at it here, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. Um, I never thought about that before. But work is not the result of the fall, of sin. Um, work was given to man before the fall. Um, so God did his work in his creation. He saw that it was good, and you can read that in chapter 1. In fact, he saw that it was very good. He blessed man, told him to get to work. And so work, we find, is established, it's appointed, it's commanded by God. And there is blessing in work, uh, whatever that looks like for you today, whether that's school, whether that's um, a career, whether you're just doing some work until you find the career that you're looking for, whatever that looks like. Maybe you're looking for a job. I appreciate Austin saying that. I mean, that's, that's, that's work too, right, looking for a job. Sometimes that's hard work. Um, so that's work. And then we note, also another key concept in work, and that is rest. So you, we see and we know from the creation account that God worked six days, right? He created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And uh, rest is modeled in uh, chapter 2 for us there, or, or shown to us in chapter 2. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. And so we see that there's the biblical model of rest. Um, you can go look at this on your own time, but in Exodus 20, uh, the law was being given to the Israelites, the Ten Commandments, right? And you remember the Sabbath day, we're supposed to keep that as holy. And um, it refers back to, if you read that passage, it refers back to this, where God created the earth in six days and then rested on the seventh day. And so we're reminded to rest as well. Um, so, Work has got ordained, but then came the fall, and this didn't change anything. We're still supposed to work, other than now the, the curse came into the world, right? And uh, we can see that in Genesis 3, 17, 19. I'll just briefly refer to that. Uh, God said to Adam, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, that could be some fighting words there, right? Um, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of which I've commanded you not to eat, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for you were taken, for out of it you were taken, taken, and for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. 
And so very quickly we see that the ground is cursed because of Adam. We live in that reality today. Thorns and thistles make it difficult to work. The sweat of our brow. Um, we know that work is physically hard. Work is hard. And, um, but it's also a blessing from the Lord. And, um, and one day the Lord will restore all of that. Um, we'll be redeemed from that curse. Um, so we see that God worked. He did six days of work, rested, and finally sin uh, made work hard. Um, so that's just a brief, quick summary there. But let's get into maybe something a little more practical, right? And what I wanted to do, and I, this is just Jim Trombley's brain thinking through my own um, working wrongly life and career, and um, I just thought, you know, what, is, what does it look like to work wrongly? What does it look like to... Um, dishonor God in our work. And um, keeping an eye on the time, I have a ton of scripture I would love to go to, but we'll just, we'll just kind of make some comments on some of these things. Um, and these should be obvious, right? Like uh, some of these should be just obvious. Yeah, as Christians, we don't want to do this. And we probably see a lot of this stuff in the world around us. Um, and so hopefully this is just a, a nice reminder or, or affirmation of walking rightly with the Lord. Uh, so laziness, right? And, and really, you can, go, you can go from the front end of this book to the end of this book, and you see that laziness is condemned. Um, we are not to be lazy. Um, and, you know, so are, are we lazy today, right? Is it, it's easy to walk or fall into laziness. I'm lazy still at times. There's times where I know I should be working and I'm not. Um, and so I have to continue to watch, continually watch my own self. Um, you know, I... I there's questions we can ask ourselves. Are we ones, like we saw in 1 Corinthians 4, are we ones who just live off of other people? And uh, certainly we see that in our day, right? A lot of uh, people your age even, probably you know people that have graduated high school, I'm just kicking my feet up at mom and dad's and not doing anything, not even looking for a job, right? Um, what, did, what did God say in, Galatia, or in Genesis 1? I don't have Galatians on the brain. Um, he said, get to work, Right? Go to work. Go subdue the earth. Go have dominion over it. Um, so we're not lazy. What about the love of money? Um, in 1 Timothy, we see that this is the root of all evil. Why? Because it causes us to do sinful things to get that money, right? What about our own hearts? Have you checked your heart on this one? Right? Are you willing to do things that you know you shouldn't do? Because I can make a lot of money doing it. I confess I've done that in my career. Um, Wanting more and more. And, you know, God, and God, that's not to say God doesn't bless us with money. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil, right? It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So that's, that's a very important distinction. Um, the desire for more. That's not wrong to desire more necessarily, but what's my motive, right? Is my God my job, right? Is my job everything? Um, and so it's, it's really something to, to check our motives on. A lot of people want to be promoted and get into that um, area of leadership, right? You know, and and we, the disciples even wanted that, right? Remember that? And Jesus uh, strongly rebuked them. Their motives were wrong. Um, you know, do we want to lord it over people? I want authority over people. I want that power, um, so there's a lot of things to think about in these working wrongly um, uh, bullet points here. Disrespecting bosses, I mean, that's obvious, right? Does the Bible say anything about that? Absolutely. Uh, 
We're supposed to obey our masters with fear and trembling. How many of you fear and tremble in front of your boss? Just one. <laughs> well, you raised her well. <laughs> um, but, I mean, this is like with the Lord, right? We're supposed to fear the Lord. Does that mean we shudder in fear and are absolutely worthless because we're just, you know, paralyzed by fear? No, that's not what that means. It means to respect them, to honor them. When we fear the Lord, we, uh, we hold Him in reverence and honor, right? Um, and same with our bosses, because we are not working necessarily for our bosses. Who are we working for? What does the Bible say? Working for the Lord. Yeah. Um, what about inappropriate relationships? Ooh, this could be a dicey one. Um, Paul t- uh, talks about uh, the fact that we are in the world, um, not of the world. We'll see this a couple times. Jesus said the same thing. Um, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, Second Corinthians. We're not supposed to... Um, because, you know, basically join ourselves with unbelievers, be in fellowship with unbelievers um, such that we are steered away from the, you know, the path of righteousness or the right way. Um, the idea is, well, I'm not going to get into that because we've got we to watch the time. Sorry, I was going to keep going. But inappropriate relationships, be careful how you attach yourself to the world. And this isn't just necessarily, you know, uh, male-female relationships or whatever. That is, that's included too. But this is any relationship where you are attaching yourself to someone or something that's going to pull you away from the things of the Lord. Uh, gossip. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot to, we could say there. Coworkers, bosses, we, you know, it's, it's so easy, especially your boss, right? How many people have participated in gossip with the, about their boss or about coworkers? I mean, maybe I'm the only one, but um, that is so easy, right? You might have two or three people sitting around and the talks just starts happening and it's easy to dive right in and uh, start tearing people down. Um, and especially on that boss thing, right? I mean, we're supposed to honor our bosses. We're supposed to love the people around us, right? How can I slander this person when I'm with this group and then I'm now with this group and I'm, I'm slandering these people, right? Anybody else besides me experience that? Being two-faced, double-minded? Maybe, I guess you and I are the only ones, but... Praise the Lord, he can, he's going to save you and I from that. <laughs> um, what about stealing? Um, I mean, right there, we got, here's the Ten Commandments again, right? That's, that's there. The, uh, Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal, but labor, um, doing honest work so that he can have something to share with everybody in need. Right? That's, I mean, instead of stealing from people, we're supposed to share with people, right? So we work, so we can do those things. Um, Ah, yes. Yeah. Supposed to be working at work. Right. And, I'll, and, and I have to feed myself. What am I going to do? I'm just going to go steal, right? Let the thief no longer steal. Um, again, we, I mean, if we had the time, we could just go uh, a long way on a lot of these. Um, lying. So, if, I mean, if you struggle with lying, we know that's the chief characteristic of who? Satan, Right? He was the father of lies. Uh, we have our language. That could be one we could stick with for a while, right? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, Ephesians 4 says, but only such as is good for building up and fitting the occasion. Can we see doing that at work? That's hard, right? It's easy to do here because we're all on the same page and we want to walk you know, our Christian values in front of everybody. 
But if we're completely honest, do we do this at work? Are we double-minded, right? I'm one way here, but I'm another way at work. Um, what about uh, poor dress? This is an interesting one, right? And this can be very controversial even in our day because who are you to tell me what I should wear? And I'm not telling you what you should wear. But Scripture might give us some clues. Um, but it is interesting because um, those of us who name the name of the Lord, those of us whose names are written in heaven, right? We ought to honor God in our dress, how, how we dress. And so that should, what it should do is, as the fruits of the Spirit are on display, evident in my workplace, my clothes should back that up, right? Um, and so I'll, I'll just leave it there. But there's, I mean, obviously there's, this is one of those maybe more controversial topics in our day, which is interesting. But um, what about cheating? So those in school, this is an easy one to apply. But what about at work? Is there ways to cheat at work? You know, um, so think through those things. Politics. Um, this, so <laughs> thinking back to first. Thessalonians 4, um, you can get into one political discussion and realize that this is not the quiet life, right? I mean, we can start to divide and, and separate and hate, and um, it's, it makes for divisions very quickly. We're not activists, right? We shouldn't be activists. If I'm going to be activist for anything, it's going to be as a minister of reconciliation or ambassador for Christ, as 2 Corinthians 5 says. Um, what about being told no? No. Um, Many times in my career, I've applied for a job, I've been interviewed, and been told no. What's the response to the no, right? Do we understand it as God's will? Maybe, right? Maybe God is directing our paths, as we know he does, and so he's not allowing us to obtain one job because he wants us in another job. Um, I had an experience once where I was told no, and my boss, it was with my current boss, actually, that I applied for this job, he, he said uh, I want you for this role. You're the perfect person for this role. Apply for it. I'm gonna, you know, I want to hire you. Um, and Pfizer is such that they have the HR practice, which is a good practice, but is to they put it out there so that you know anybody can apply. But of course, he wanted me to apply and, and interview, and he wanted to give me this job. So I interviewed for the job, and you know it went well. And my wife and I we thought this is the perfect job, and it's definitely this seems to be God's will, right? And a little bit later, he came back and said, sorry, we had to give it to somebody else. I was a bit crushed. I was crushed. What's the response? How would you respond? Um, by this time, the Lord had been working in me um, to where my response was, thank you for the opportunity to apply. It was, I, I just appreciate what you saw in me and just the, the fact that you would take the time and interview me and, and think of me for this role. And, um, you know, but inside, I was disappointed. I was, I was very disappointed because it was a really cool, it was a programming role, and I it was write code and pull data and do cool nerd stuff. And I thought it was going to be a great role. And, um, and just having prayed about it, we just thought that this seems like the Lord's will, like this is what the Lord would have for us. And um, it was no. And so what's the response? Interestingly, just as a side note, uh, he came back to me about two weeks later because the guy they did hire uh, didn't pass a drug test drug tests or the background checks. So he came and said, hey, do you want the job? I was like, yes. And actually, you could dishonor God there too because, and I jokingly told him, I said, yeah, but I come at double the cost now. <laughs> um, but, but, but really, think through that, right? You're going to be told no throughout your career. How do you handle those things? How do we look at it from a Christian perspective or from, a, um, you know, from the perspective of what God is doing in us and in our lives as he leads us? Um, here's one. 
hopefully none of you are doing this, but call in as much as possible. I tell you what, you want to dishonor God real fast is be one of those lazy, what I would consider stealing uh, company time and calling in all the time. Of course we have to call in sometimes, right? We get sick. Um, and I say it on the other side, on the working rightly, is call in as little as possible. Um, but when you do call in, it must, what, what do they think about you when you do call in? Is like, oh my goodness, Jim must really be sick if he's calling in. Or are they saying, well, here she goes again. Here he goes again. Can only get him one or two days a week. You know, he's going to call in Thursday and Friday every week this summer, you know, because it's summer. And uh, just take as much lost time as possible, right? And uh, so, again, how do we honor God in our work? Um, by not calling in. Um, overworking. No rest. Uh, and I, I've, especially when I was an hourly worker, this was easy. I mean, there were week, weekends abounded. We could work as much weekends as many weekends as we wanted. We were paid time and a half at Pfizer. On, back in those days, they paid double time on Sundays. And so, uh, and so, I mean, we would just work. Sometimes we had to. It was mandatory. Um, but you, you start working two, three, four weekends in a row, and you're not resting. You're not doing what God has called us to do and to rest, to be here, to be amongst the brothers and sisters, right? Um, so, where was I at? There we go, overworking. Um, and then lastly, dishonoring God there. Um, and this is just kind of a catch-all, right? There's a, there's a myriad of ways, there's a million ways we can dishonor God in our work. And as Christians, we ought to be honoring God in our work. And we'll, we'll look at that uh, um, in a little bit as well. All right. Um, Apparently, I mistitled that, working wrongly. It's because I copied and pasted it, so my title's the same. It's, <laughs> this is actually working rightly. <laughs> you want to do a quick fix back there, guys? <laughs> um, literally this morning, I got up, I was up at 6 this morning, I'm like, I need to just punch out a PowerPoint real quick, and, uh, and uh, so it was copy-paste so I could get the two columns right and all that, but uh, so working wrongly is actually working rightly in this case, um, so stay with me. <laughs> Uh, finding work, that's the top of the list. Guys, if we're just staying home, if we're not looking for work, if we're not working, if we're not doing anything, then we're not honoring God. We're not doing what God has called us to do at the very beginning of his work, right? Um, and then throughout the entirety of his word. Work is ordained by God. It's been given to us by God. Um, respecting bosses. I mean, a lot of these are just the opposite of what we saw on the other slide. Um, here's one. Are we being teachable? Right? Do we go in thinking we know everything? I'm going to tell you right now, at 47 years old, I've realized I don't know everything. In fact, the more I know, the realize, I realize the less I actually know. Kathy would agree with me in that, right? Like, yeah, you don't know anything, Jim. <laughs> but, but the reality is, like, are we going in teachable? Are you a learner? Are you a lifelong learner? Um, and, uh, you know, I think, you, you know, when we look at, at uh, Paul talking to Timothy, uh, you know, he told him to practice. Practice what you've been called to do. Practice it. Not, not just for yourself, but that others might see your progress, right? And so there's the idea of being teachable, to learn, to put things into practice. Um, what about punctuality? Here's one way to dishonor God. Always show up late to work, right? I love the Lord, but boy, I'm never at work on time. Um, be on time. What about dependability? Are you dependable? Is your work dependable? 
You do good work. Um, what about integrity? There's a big one. It's easy to be integrity. It's, it's easy to have integrity when everybody's looking, isn't it? It's easy to uh, work and do a great job when the boss is right there or people of influence are there or people that might, you know, you might network with that would see your work and maybe, you know, hire you in the future for a job that's, you know, like a, a type of promotion. It's easy. What, but are you working that way when nobody's looking? What if you're the only one at the shop? or the only, only one on the floor, or the only one in the office, or the only one in class, or what are you doing, you know, from a school perspective behind closed doors? Are you walking in integrity? Are you using ChatGPT to write your paper? That's a new one, isn't it? That's, that's, we'll see where that leads. Um, do you have integrity to do the work and do it rightly? Um, what about loving all people? Uh, you know, sometimes this is hard. We're supposed to love our enemies. Jesus said that, didn't he? Matthew 5. It's easy to love those that are lovable. But what about those who are not lovable? That the world hates. That you're naturally not, you know, that you naturally just don't really want to talk to. Do you love them enough to talk to them? Um, that's hard sometimes with our coworkers. Um, not seeing anyone according to the flesh. That's, does that seem like a weird statement? might seem like a weird statement. That comes right from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, this is an interesting one. So to see someone according to the flesh is to see someone according to how I just see them. I just see you as people. We live, we die, we eat, we breathe, and we hit the finish line and we're done. We, you know, we've lived our life and it's all vanity. And, uh, but Paul uh, told us to look at things in, from a higher perspective, to not see anyone, to not see people according to the flesh to see them as eternal people, right? People who are going to one day stand before the Lord. And so in the work that the Lord has given us then, how do we look at people? Do we look at them as, you know, just people that I just happen to be around? Or did God place me around these people to walk rightly with the Lord and walk rightly with people so that they might see Christ on display in my work and then maybe lead to some conversation about that, right? And, um, yeah, we could go a long way on that one, but I'm quickly running out of time. Um, so something to think about. That's from 2 Corinthians 5, so that's a good study there. That's right in that same section of being ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ, Christ using us as his um, ambassadors. Okay, uh, progressing in the job. I kind of talked about that. You know, are you working hard? Are you learning? Are we progressing? Are, are we, you know, advancing in our, in our jobs, doing a better, a better job? Um, again, I lean on 1 Timothy 4.15 on that one where Paul talked to Timothy. Uh, contentment, um, look at Philippians 4.11-13 if you want to see more there, but how to walk in contentment in the highs and lows. The career life is like this, right? It's like just craziness. You, you know, there's great jobs and everything's great, you lose a job. New job, other jobs, jobs going bad, jobs going good, whatever. Are we emotionally roller coasting, coastering in this job? Right? Are we are our emotions just all over the place? And Jim Trombley's just this whacked out dude, and he's super happy now, and now he's depressed. Or are we walking in contentment through it all? And uh, Paul talked about learning the secret of contentment, and you can learn about that secret in Philippians four as well. Um, being told no, we talked about that, handling that rightly, rarely calling in, um, resting. Are you resting? Work hard, work hard, six days, right, and rest. Are you resting? 
Um, Jesus even did that, right? He would, he would draw, he would um, go withdraw and go and pray and, or sometimes just be away privately with his disciples. Um, are you able to look at your work and see that it was good? I mean, literally that's written about five or six times in Genesis chapter one. In fact, in, in the beginning of chapter two, I think it is, he said he looked at his work and saw that it was very good. Are you able to look at your work and say it's good or very good? Um, you know, and take the time to appreciate how God has used you in a, a certain job. And you might say, well, my job is mundane and boring. You know, it's just the same thing every day. Well, go do it and, get, and go look at how good you did it, right? And rejoice that uh, you have a job and that God, is, um, that, it's got, that God is providing for you and using you in, in the way that he is. Um, talked a little bit about, so that's 2 Corinthians 5, being ready to be a minister of reconciliation, right? Recon- this is man and God being reconciled together, right? We, we get to be ministers of that. Um, I just love that chapter, so I've included several of those key verses from there. But um, what about prayer? You pray for yourself and your work? Do you pray for others? Do you pray for your coworkers? Do you pray for your boss, your company? Um, this is something I've learned over the last number of years to start doing, so I do that. I mean, I'm one who, as I drive to work, the radio's off, everything's off, and that's just a time for me to pray as I go prepare to work for the day. Um, that has changed, by the way. That has really changed what it's looked like for me and work and my relationship with people and bosses. is, um, And it's a habit I started, I don't know, a number, some number of years ago. But it's different than rocking out to some music on the way, which is fantastic, right? I mean, I, good Christian solid hymns for me these days as I get old, so I'm not really rocking out, but um, I'm enjoying the hymns. Um, but... But the point is just to be quiet before the Lord is before we begin our work um, each day. Uh, do you spend time in the Word? This is where sanctification comes from. This is where we grow in Christ or mature in Christ. That is sanctification. That comes from the Word of God. Are you readers of the Word? Um, do you pray? So um, maintaining that relationship with the Lord is key. Okay, let's get a... Oh, hey, you fix it. Great job. Man, you got, you got a great tech team. <laughs> Great work back there, guys. All right, so this is the part where I'm hoping we can be a little more interactive. I've written a bunch of stuff that um, I thought was um, uh, an appropriate response to these. I have, it's actually two slides of questions, so um, I'm not sure best how to do this. Um, but maybe, I think what I'll do is, uh, let's, let me just go through these questions real quick. I'm going to give you some quick thoughts, and then... Uh, we'll just go to our tables and have a discussion and just finish on that. And then do you want to just come and close it out? I think you had a quick, quick reminder. Okay, so how do I work as a Christian when I'm doing the things, I'm doing things that are not really Christian? In other words, how do I work and study to the glory of God? Um, firstly, I'm going to make the argument that, that work is necessarily Christian. It's necessarily Christian. It's given to us by God. Uh, Jesus did the work he came to do right? And he continues to do it. He worked, he did his work at the, well, he, there was the creation. He's been continually working in the creation. He has come and he's done his work on the cross. He's done his work in our heart. He's changed our heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And he saved us and sanctified us, um, maturing us and drawing us closer and closer to him, conforming us into his image. Um, 
And, and so this is just, this is work. And he has called us, he saved us, and he's called us to work with our own hands. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians 4. And so I would argue, I'd make the argument, and you can discuss this at your tables, and you can go into the scriptures and find out if there's more, um, that work is necessarily Christian. All that you do, do unto the glory of God. Um, we labor. Um, in fact, uh, I had a thought during the sermon that I wrote down. I wasn't paying attention to the sermon for a minute, but um, be steadfast and movable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. All right? And so, in fact, I would even make the argument from Romans 8.8 8, that the unsaved person cannot please God. Did you know that? That's what it says in, in Romans 8.8. 8. Those in the flesh cannot please God. You are not of the flesh, however, right, if the Spirit of God is in you, and now you can please the Lord. And so we can dishonor the Lord in our work. We can also please Him in our work. All right, so work is necessarily Christian. What if I choose the wrong career? Um, so this is something not to be paralyzed over. I think a lot of people can get paralyzed over this, or I've heard that we can. Um, uh, but this is where I think, you know, when you're faced with multiple options, you're not quite sure where to go, what, what's the first thing we should do? You're not going to run to somebody, you know, that you don't trust and say, hey, what should I do? Let's go to someone we do trust, um, whether that's a person, a godly man or woman, older man or woman. Um, but maybe we go to the one we can ultimately trust, the Lord, right? And so let's get into prayer um, and find out what career we should, um, we should uh, choose. Maybe ask some questions. What career interests do you have? What talents has God given you? What do you enjoy? Right? Those aren't accidents that you enjoy those things. Um, and, and maybe you know, look at those things as you know, the, right, the right way to go. Um, and, and sometimes that might take you to school. Sometimes that might just take you right into the workforce, whatever. Um, and both of those are, are great options. Um, but pray. Pray and find out what God has for you. What if you choose the wrong one? Um, well, tough luck. No. God is a God who is going to make sure that all things work out uh, for your good. Now, I'm referring to Romans 8, 28, which means a whole lot more than what I'm saying in the realm of work. But God works out all things. And I can look back on my career and some of the wrong choices I've made in jobs or in just whatever decision, and I can see how God worked in that and is still working in it and leading and guiding me in various ways, and he will with you too. And so if you feel like you've made a mistake, first of all, God isn't surprised at the job you took, or God isn't surprised at the choice you made, and God will work out all things for, for your good, all right? And so depend on him. Um, is work good? Like, I don't really like it, so is it important that I think of it as a high priority? So I think we have made the argument today that, yes, work is good. We see that in Genesis. Uh, the feelings of dislike are the result of the curse. In fact, if you, now I will say Galatians. Galatians 5 and 17 says that the flesh and the spirit war against one another. Right? The spirit that God has put in us is in opposition to the flesh, our flesh, what we want. Um, and so we would say then that um, if there's something that I don't like about my work, or that I'm, it's just, it's frustrating, it's just, do I have to make it a high priority? Whatever, this is just a nothing job. There, there is no such thing with God, all right? Um, so work is good. And um, 
we should make it a high priority, and we should do it to the honor, to, um, to the, uh, to the honor and glory of God. Um, it's God-ordained. I would, I would go so far as to make the uh, argument that it is our ministry that we've given. I, mean, I was talking to Pastor Brett one time, and we were literally talking about this subject, and he said, what you do, Jim, as a data anal- analyst and a computer programmer is just as much a ministry as what God has given me to do here, right? And so go do that ministry, um, all of you. Um, and do it unto his glory. Uh, what, what should I do if the company I work for doesn't support the truth or Christian values? What should you do? Work for that company. I do. You want, I'm going to tell you something right now. Pfizer is at the forefront of wokeness. I'm telling you, you get into diversity and inclusion and diversity, equity, and inclusion, the LBGT culture, the open culture is alive and well. And you can say, how can you work there? I can work there because that's what God has given me to do. And I'm going to go be a Christ-like worker in a dark place. You think of, uh, Scripture is replete with examples. It has plenty of examples of this. The one that um, primarily comes to mind is uh, the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel himself, right? They were in Babylon, and they were in a wicked kingdom. They were there because Israel was being punished. But they were in the king's court, and they were being trained for three years on all the things of that kingdom. And, but they honored God. Go, you, can, you probably know the story, but if, if not, go read it. And you can find out how they honored God in a wicked place. And we can do the same thing. We can honor God in a wicked place. I remember when I first came back to Pfizer, I'm going to tell a quick story. Man, I hope I leave. I got to leave some time for the table. Quick story. I was divested from Pfizer and went to Zoetis for five years. And then Pfizer hired me back. And I came back and the first, one of the first things that was, you know, an email, company email came out and it said, join us at the flagpole to celebrate um, the alternative lifestyles, Right? And we're going to hear stories of heroism of people who have come out and all of the LBGTQs, all those letters plus, you know, come hear their stories at the flagpole and we're going to hold hands and celebrate, right? I'm like, what? why did I come back to Pfizer? Like, what is this? And I was troubled, right? And it wasn't a, an order to come, but it was a, you know, we encourage you to come type of thing. And so I said, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> so, and I, but I was troubled about it. I started praying about it and... Um, I just started, I started thinking through the whole Daniel situation. And I thought, you know what? Until they make me stand at the flagpole and honor the God of this earth, just like, you remember uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And they were told to bow before um, this uh, tall uh, image of Nebuchadnezzar, right? And they refused. And I said, until they make me do that, I'm going to work for Pfizer. And I'm going to work hard for Pfizer. Even afterwards, I would... If they forced us to go out there and do this, I would say no, and I wouldn't do it. And I would still work for them if they allowed it. Otherwise, they're going to cast me into the fiery furnace, and then the Lord will be with me, right? What about you? This is getting harder and harder in today's age, right? It is. In schools especially. I mean, the, the, cult, the, the culture at school with the new philosophies and new ideas of this age, which, by the way, let me just share with you as a 47-year-old man, those will be old ideas and old philosophies in about 10 or 20 years. They'll be old and there'll be something new. Realize those are vain philosophies and empty deceit, as Colossians says. And, you know, so understand, you know, and think about and pray about how you want to handle those situations. Um, so anyway, went too long on that. 
All right. Um, how should I think about sharing the gospel and rep- representing Christ on company time? And I'm, unless I, I'm going to get off on tangents, so I'm just going to read. Um, walk according to the Spirit, according to the Scripture. Let the fruit of the Spirit be on display, on full display at all times. Um, one of the things I like to do is, is do this, is little biblical comments here and there as, as appropriate, right? We can really be um, goofy Christians, can't we? But, you know, and just going off the rails on just over-spirituality and over-spiritualizing everything. But what if we were to say, hey, you know, I had a, a lot of people say, how was your weekend? Oh, it was a wonderful weekend. You know, did this on Saturday, went to church on Sunday, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you sprinkle those things in there. And then they see your life and how you walk differently than everybody else. And they're gonna, they will ask you questions. In my 47 years, I've had a lot of people ask questions. Um, you know, and you, so you can talk about your faith. Um, if, if, as far as I'm concerned, that's on company time. That's, that's, we all have normal conversation on company time, don't we? And so if the conversation happens to be Christ, praise the Lord, let Christ work in the ones that are hearing you. And uh, let him work in you as well as you're speaking. Um, very quickly, I think I'm supposed to be on the other slide. How does or should my relationship with Christ change the way I work and study? First Corinthians 10.31, guys, this is a key verse here. First Corinthians 10.31, you represent Christ on earth, therefore glorify him in all things. I, I'm just paraphrasing the verse, but there's um, good study there. How do I handle issues of blatant sin in work and in school, uh, such as DEI, LBGTQA, uh, agendas, all those sorts of things? Um, number one, compassion of Christ, uh, Matthew 9, right? Um, the, the um, oh, help me out here. The, something is fruitful, but the laborers are few. The harvest <laughs> is fruitful, thank you. Uh, but, the, uh, um, but the laborers are few, and we pray, right, to be sent, and we are the sent ones. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to go there real quick. So um, I had a note on LBGTQ and activism and those sorts of things, um, I think there's a lot to say there. Guys, listen, understand the word, be in the word, know how to respond. In fact, I'm, I am going to say this because I think it's important. This is the view of the, their activist, of the activism going on out there. Um, you either affirm their lifestyle or you hate them. That's their approach, right? There's no middle ground. Um, but we, from a Christ-like perspective here, listen, they are, they, we love them because they are a made-in-the-image-of-God person, Right? And who else loves them? Our God loves them, right? Now, it doesn't mean we just accept their lifestyle. Um, But we have compassion on them because we don't see them, as we were talking about earlier, according to the flesh. We see them as people who will stand before the Almighty God, just like we will, and they will hear, I never knew you, right? And that's a fearful thing. Um, So we don't hate them, we don't affirm their lifestyle. We love them and are desperately concerned for their eternal lives. We are. And so understand the word. Get into the word. We don't hate homosexuals. We don't hate them. Or anybody in a transgender or any type of these lifestyles. And if, if you want practice at it, come work at Pfizer. There's, a, there's a, literally a lot of that. You can, you can practice your faith in front of them and loving them. If you're in college, it's probably the same way, right? Um, on the campuses. All sorts of weird alternative lifestyles. Um, and maybe I shouldn't even put, that, put it that way, right? As we love, as we love people. Um, but they need Christ. They need Christ. Um, 
If I could commend one book to you, if I had, if I had to say there's one book of the Bible that I would commend to you, for, especially for those in college, but even for those in work, it would be Colossians. In the book of Colossians, chapter 2, it, it, there's all sorts of things about, um, uh, and I'm going to go there real quick because I, there's a couple just quick things I want to share with you. Um, Colossians chapter 2. The whole book is fantastic. I, if you would, in fact, if you want a challenge, read this entire book every day for a month. It, and it will, it's a short book. It's a wonderful book to live by. And it's a wonderful book to study. But in, in chapter 2, and you'll, you, hopefully you'll see where I'm going with this, especially for colleges, but a lot of, a lot of your workplaces, Pfizer's one of these workplaces where the culture is very, very woke and they're pushing it hard on the employees. Um... Uh, maybe verse 2, 3. So, well, okay. Christ, very end of verse 2. Christ, in whom, are, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order, um, and here's the thing. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And you can read the context. I'll let you guys do that. Um, but plausible arguments. Look up for just a second. Plausible arguments. What's a plausible argument? It's an argument that seems to make sense. You can go to every college class today and they will make arguments countercultural, counterscriptural, anti-Christ like, um, and they will make arguments that make sense. And they seem to make sense. Watch out, right? Don't be deluded by plausible arguments. Jumping down to verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition according to human tradition according to elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ and again I'll let you guys read the rest of that in the context but this is I mean just a warning right watch out what is the best way to not be deluded by plausible arguments what is the best way to defend against human tradition philosophies empty deceit I mean the if, if Austin hasn't made it obvious over the years, it's, it's right here. Stay in here, brothers and sisters. I urge you, don't, you know, just watch out. I mean, the world is attacking from every side. And so, all right, I'm going to quiet myself, and we can go to our tables. Um, so I think the idea here is we look at these questions. Maybe I'll just put it on the, uh, the last one because there's more questions, but... At your tables, just look at these and, and think about, you know, what we talked about today. Look at the scriptures, and I think we're just having table discussions, right? Is that right, Austin?